Hi, this is John Leahy, host of Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. I wanted to take a moment and thank you for tuning in to the podcast on a weekly basis. I truly appreciate my great audience. I'd also like to encourage you to consider subscribing to the podcast. We're on Apple and Spotify and virtually any place where podcasts are heard. So if you like the content, please consider subscribing. I appreciate it once again. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you'll enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. My name is John Leahy. Thanks again so much for being with us here on the podcast. I'd like to give a thank you to my guest from last week, Phil Jubileo, the play-by-play voice of Quinnipiac Hockey. We had a wonderful chat with Phil. If you'd like to check out that episode or any others that we've done, please feel free to check out the podcasting website, which we have at LeahyStorytelling.com. Uh, All the episodes have access right there on the website. You can also check out a blog area. There's also some videos and also a rating system. You can rate any episode from zero to five stars. Also leave a written review, and you can also leave me a voicemail. There's a purple microphone at the lower right-hand corner of each page, and I welcome uh, all uh, voice messages. We respond to them as well. Also, please feel free to... uh, Subscribe to the podcast as we're on Apple and Spotify and all the places where podcasts are heard. Well, I'm very, very excited this week. We have a real treat for you here on the podcast. We are welcoming in uh, a gentleman who has been with the Philadelphia Flyers since their inception in 1967. He's been their public address announcer since 1972. You can imagine the stories we'll talk about today. I'm very happy to welcome in Lou Nolan to our podcast here today. And Lou, as I said, I'm, I'm so excited to have you here and uh, looking forward to talking some Flyers hockey with you. John, I appreciate uh, being a part of the podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, Lou. So there's so many great uh, stories I'd like to touch on with you. And, uh, of course, I I read your book, which is uh, If Walls Could Talk, uh, Stories from the Philadelphia Flyers. And uh, there's so much great stuff in there. I guess the first thing I want to talk with you, Lou, is uh, your first game as a public address announcer for the Flyers. You had an interesting uh, situation come up there. Uh, There was some ice water thrown at uh, Bob Kelly of the Flyers, who was in the penalty box. But that didn't land uh, near Bob Kelly. It landed uh, right where you were, right? So that was kind of your indoctrination of the NHL, wasn't it? Uh, You're right, John. It was uh, very interesting. There I was uh, doing game one. and. Little did I realize that uh, uh, I would uh, be the brunt of uh, ice and pucks that were thrown from a puck bucket from one penalty box to the other. I just happened to be in the right right spot to, to get uh, a shower, so to speak, and uh, get hit with those ice chips. But uh, they were being thrown at Bob after uh, one of his fights, and he had many. Uh, and um, 
interesting way to enter the business, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure there were several uh, incidents like that that have happened over the years. But uh, I-, I wanted to talk to you also, Lou, about uh, Gene Hart. Uh, he uh, did the play-by-play for the Flyers. He's in the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame. Of course, we talk a lot about broadcasting here on the podcast. Gene did so many games for the Flyers. I wonder if you could just talk about Gene and your memories of him and, and how great he was for Philadelphia and for the Flyers. Uh, sure can. Uh, there, Gene is the best, uh, and uh, uh, I can recall all kinds of things about Gene. But what I remember the most about Gene was that, uh, although he was the first PA announcer, and he went upstairs for the third period because we were only on radio for the third period. Right. Uh, he educated the people of Philadelphia about the game. Okay. Uh, you know, initially uh, he would say things like, "That's icing." And then he would explain what icing was two or three times and then lay off of that. And, you know, uh, different things that happened, uh, you know, but he had a way of calling the game. And when uh, when the game was uh, on a bit of a uh, uh, on TV and radio at the same time, he could put you uh, in in the TV, even though you were listening to the radio. He just had a way near side, far side, face off circle, so forth and so on. Um, a lot uh, like uh, my friend Mike Emmerich uh, when he was broadcasting. Uh, but uh, Gene, uh, Gene was amazing. And he could speak Russian. He helped me with the Russian names wow. when they were here. Wow. And, um, you know, just uh, just an all-around great guy who, who loved opera and um, just, uh, just a wonderful guy. Of course, his daughter also, Lou, has uh, carried on the tradition of uh, singing uh, God Bless America prior to Flyers game. So that's pretty special. It is, and she's she's a wonderful girl, uh, and um, I knew Lauren a long time when she was just uh, a little shaver running around the building, a little bit of a <laughs> rink rat, so to speak, when her dad used to come in, and um, uh, she she has gone far, uh, and um, you know I, I think now that uh, she does the Star Spangled Banner now uh, rather than God Bless America, although I've heard it a few times other than our building this yep. year past years only because uh, they've kind of put that one to bed uh so to speak I, i'm not quite sure why john um it bothers me but um it, it has she has been put to bed uh kate smith so to speak uh even though she had such a magical uh touch on the flyers uh, in those championship years but uh, lauren is a, is a is a great singer she brings it every night she's here uh in 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 the building uh, prior to it. And, and people just love what she sings. You know, people wait for her. Yeah, I wanted to touch on Kate Smith a, a little bit later here on the podcast. But uh, sure. b- before we get there, uh, you talk about, in the book, you talk about Bobby Clark and the impact he had on the Flyers. And uh, I kind of got the belief from you that uh, you, you felt that he was the greatest Flyer ever. He came to Philadelphia in 1969-70. And, Lou, it seemed like he really made a, a quick a, a quick impact uh, in his Hall of Fame career. He did, John. Uh, he is, uh, in my estimation, uh, uh, along with Bernie Pratt, the two best people ever to play here uh, because of the impact they had on the game. Uh, and Bob was a tireless worker. Uh, you know, he came here uh, in the draft uh, probably, I think it was the second rounder. He didn't go in the first round because he had diabetes and nobody really um, had a great knowledge of how, how he would be going pro. Right. But uh, Jerry Melnick, who was one of our scouts, had an eye on, on Bob from seeing him play out west. And 
Bob never stopped. The engine was always on and anything to win. And um, that's pretty evident by some of the, uh, um, the people he played against uh, and um, what he did for us uh, as far as the Stanley Cup. Just, just a tremendous player. And uh, another player you talked about at length in the book, Lou, was uh, Bernie Perrant. Now, you had him in Philadelphia, and uh, he went to Toronto, and then uh, the Flyers wound up getting him back. Maybe you could share that story. Yes, we were uh, uh, kind of devastated when Bernie left here, although he made most of his uh, uh, fame uh, when he came back uh, and um, led us to the Stanley Cups. But Bernie was uh, in the tandem, the first tandem we had, Doug Favela, and Bernie left here. Uh, the trade uh, was something that um, threw all of us off, but uh, it did bring Rick McLeish here uh, into Philly, and Rick scored the winning goal in the, uh, the, our Stanley Cup, which we won at home. Uh, Bernie with a shutout uh, there on the one to nothing shutout over the Bruins. Big, bad Bruins. You know about them. John. Yes, I do. Being a Boston resident, uh, seen my share of Bruins games over the years, so those were special. And that leads me right into my next point, Lou. The Stanley Cup championships back in 1974-75, the only two the Flyers have had. But, uh, you know, to win a Stanley Cup, Lou, after just seven and then eight years uh, as an NHL team, boy, that must have been special for the city of Philadelphia. Oh, it, it was it was special. I, I can recall, uh, you know, the, the season went along very well. We were doing well. Then we wind up playing the Bruins, and uh, we won one again. The game in Boston that turned the turned the series to our to our advantage. Uh, I think Clark was scored the winning goal, and um, I was on that trip. I remember, and uh, you know, there we were in Game Six, uh, and um, no score in that game. And then next thing you know, uh, a Moose Dupont shot from the point is deflected in by McLeish, and we're ahead one to nothing. Yep. So uh, and and that wasn't expected at all. And so with about a little over two minutes left, uh, there was a shot for the point. Uh, it went off one of the, one of the uh, one of the players, and Clark had a breakaway, and Bobby Orr pulled him down from behind. Orr could catch just about anybody, as you well know. Yep. yep. And um, you know, uh, Art Scove was the referee. He called a penalty on Orr, and he caught all kinds of grief from Orr. Uh, and back in those days, we worked without glass in the penalty box area. Yep. So um, had to keep your <laughs> had to stay alert. <laughs> um, we didn't know any better, actually, John. And um, you know, bingo, we 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 win the game, and then uh, we meet the next morning, uh, getting ready to to go in a parade uh, into town from from the Spectrum into town, and eventually getting to where the Liberty Bell was housed in that that quadrangle there. Yep. And two million people. I mean, <laughs> two two million people. Philly was starved some sort of a championship, and the yep. Flyers provided that. Oh, that's awesome. And, and I remember uh, the Bruins, uh, the goaltender was uh, Gilles Gilbert, who uh, Bruins radio announcer Bob Wilson used to call him Gil Gilbert. And, uh, you know... <laughs> I remember that goal. I remember that I was, Lou, I was um, nine years old going on 10 watching that game. And I remember the tip in by McLeish and, uh, you know, what what a what a great uh, championship for Philadelphia. Of course, they, they went on to beat Buffalo, a team that has never won the Stanley Cup uh, the following year. So back to back, that was special. Uh, it's difficult, uh, as you well know. Uh, in those days, uh, you know, 12 teams, not well. What would if Buffalo came in? I guess there were fourteen. Yeah. Uh, still difficult, but now with thirty teams, thirty-two teams, it's 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 the toughest toughest uh, grind in sports. 
Yep, um, absolutely. Through those rounds. And, uh, boy, it's, uh, it's just tough. Two in a row, amazing. Amazing. Absolutely. And then, then Lou, in 1979-80, the Flyers had an unprecedented unbeaten streak, 35 games. Uh, that isn't something that uh, you rarely see in sports, uh, a streak of that magnitude. Well, you're right. Uh, and uh, undefeated, I mean, there were ties in those days. Uh, and um, I think Pete Peters was the guy that was the goaltender for most of that. Yep. And uh, it was just incredible. I mean, Mike Keenan coached that group, as far as I can recall, and uh, might have been might have even Quinn. I don't know for sure, Pat Quinn, but got the most out of those guys. And uh, it was just a, a good group of guys that uh, got along. And you, you understand how hard it is to keep 25 or 26 guys happy and together uh, over the course of a few months and uh, 82 games plus postseason. Um and, and not have uh, cracks develop <laughs> right. uh, in, uh, in everything there. And um, it, was, it was good there. It was good. Between Freddie Shiro, when he had the Stanley Cup wins, Freddie kept them confused. And, uh, you know, that, the streak was, was amazing, just amazing. Absolutely. And then there was some tragedy in 1985. You lost Pelly Lindbergh, who was killed in that uh, tragic car accident. And uh, I, I know that was a very, very sad time down in Philadelphia. I wonder if you could maybe reflect back on that tragedy, Lou. Well, uh, yeah, I, I remember it uh, very, very well. Uh, you, you wish you didn't have to remember those things, but, but uh, it's, it's in my mind and will always stay there. But, um, you know, when we got the word that uh, there was a car accident and Pelly was, uh, was basically, you know, um, uh, rendered to be brain dead. And they brought his family over from Sweden. He flew his family in. And uh, before they pulled the plug, uh, and, um, you know, there, there was a guy that with, the, with the great future who was to be, uh, you know, the next great goalie of the Flyers. Uh, struck down early in his life. Uh, Pelly, like most goalies, you know, they're they're a little bit different. And uh, Pelly was uh, was like that. Uh, so uh, he was driving a, uh, a dual turbo Porsche 911. Mm. Uh, I think it was 911 or 930, but it was was small. And uh, you know, uh, there was a uh, he was speeding, and there was a kind of a half turn that he missed, and um, it'll be forever something that haunts us uh, with, with the Flyers. But uh, the night after, we recognized the fact that uh, he passed away, and then uh, we got a win. So um, uh, it was terrible time, terrible time. Absolutely. Uh, another uh, great Flyer memory was back in 1976 when you took on the Soviet Red Army, and that was a tour that that team was on. They were playing teams from the NHL, I know they came up here to Boston to beat the Bruins, but the Flyers wound up being the only NHL team to knock off the Soviet Red Army, and uh, there was a big hit by Ed Van Impen that game, I recall. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie always says that, that he was in the penalty box, and he says that he came out and headed toward the front of the net. They were, uh, you know, with, with with the Soviets on the power play, and he said, and and uh, Karmilov, uh, Valerie Karmilov, ran into his elbow and went down. <laughs> And uh, he's down, and he, he lifted his head, and then he stayed down. And uh, play stopped, although there wasn't any penalty called. And uh, the Russians were adamant that uh, Ed Van Imp uh, injured him intentionally. And, um, you know, they uh, they basically gathered in front of their bench and 
eventually they just walked away. They walked off the ice. Mm. Um, I think Lloyd Gilmore is a ref, and he, he gave them a, a delay a game penalty, and that's when they decided they were gone. Well, um, I went over with the interpreter and trying to find out what was going on so I could let the fans know yeah. across the ice. And uh, Ed Snyder came up the hallway. Uh, he was our great owner, and what a guy. Uh, everything to do with the Flyers in Philadelphia. Yep. And uh, Ed had, uh, you know, his neck was red and the veins were popping out. I mean, he was like a wild man. <laughs> and he went by all the guards, bang, right into their room. Wow. You know, and his own security guards are not going to stop him, mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. And uh, he was in there a couple of minutes and he came out and said, uh, they're coming. They'll come out in 15 minutes or 10 minutes. So I just... I left there and went over and told the fans. And he basically told them, uh, because he was with Alan Eagleson, uh, they were watching the game, that if they didn't come back, they were getting no money. Oh, wow. That'll do it. The whole tour. (laughs) That'll do it. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, they were in it. They were in it for for the money for the most part uh, for their program because they were just – all the equipment was terrible. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it smelled. I mean, their room was just awful. I was in it a couple of times. Wow. And, um, you know, it was um, – Ed brought him back on the ice. And then uh, next thing you know, Joe Watson scored a goal. And Freddie Shiro said that that set the Soviet program back 10 years when, when Watson scored. He always, <laughs> always liked to say that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was a 4-1 to one victory for the Flyers over the uh, Soviet Red Army, if I, if my memory serves me correctly. I think you're correct, yeah. Yeah. So, Lou, there there have been a couple of times when you've had to address the Flyer fans and uh, admonish them over the public address system, right? Uh, there was one uh, particular instance in a game against Washington, I believe it was a playoff game. Uh, maybe you could uh, tell that story. Yeah, that was uh... – I don't know, I guess half a dozen years ago. I mean, I, I'm not good at stats. But um, we had given out, uh, uh, put on every seat in the building, um, uh, bracelets yep. that could be keyed in colors, all different colors. And uh, there was a, basically a show with those. Yep. And um, so uh, the game was going on, and, uh, you know, fans were having a good time, and, when uh, intermissions, we'd do a little show with them and so forth. And near the end of the game, uh, it was a nasty game. One of our guys ran ran one of their guys in the boards. I think, uh, and, uh, you know, we got another penalty. We already had one penalty. Okay. And we got a second penalty. So, um, you know, they, they threw the, uh, the, the, uh, the bracelets, came out of the stands, maybe 100, 150, 200, came onto the ice. Mm. And uh, the referee came over, Paul Dvorsky, I think it was, and he said, Louis, if any more of these come out, I'm going to give you a, a delay of game. Okay. So I turned on the mic and I said, told the fans, I said, you know, if you do this again, we're going to be really short here. It's going to be a problem. Right. And um, and uh, sure enough, uh, um, there was a little problem and uh, some more came on the ice and uh, we got another penalty. And I told them, I said, well, you did it now. You know, you did it. <laughs> Look at yourself. You did it. And, um, you know, you should, should be ashamed of that. Show some more class, please. And um, next thing you know, they're calling me and they want to put it on a T-shirt for the next game against Washington. <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. I remember it. Was, it uh, yeah, I remember it said, stay classy, Philly, right? Or something to that effect. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and exactly. You, you wound up autographing some of those, right? Yeah, I did. Uh, you know, 
people will ask you to sign anything, and uh, the shirt was popular. <laughs> and you give out 17,000 of them. There got to be people <laughs> yeah. that want you to sign them. And uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. I was I didn't know how to take it. You know, I was a little embarrassed at first, and then I just rolled with the punches. Wow. Well, one of the uh, dramatic effects that happened at the Spectrum ca- happened back in 1987, and uh, this was an event that you weren't there for. Ron Hextall scored a goal against the Boston Bruins in December of 1987, and uh, I remember that game watching it on TV up here in Boston. So, uh, did you have a feeling that Hextall was going to do that at some point in his career? Sooner or later, yeah, he he missed a couple, but uh, when when it was dumped in, he was very good at, at at retrieving the puck when it was dumped in, or on uh, on a penalty kill or something of that nature. And if there was an opening, you know, he was going to try it. I was in uh, on vacation, actually in Saint Croix, mm-hmm. and I didn't see the game at all because we couldn't pick it up on the TV there. The island at that point was uh, uh, was a mess, but um, uh, so I did find out about it. And uh, uh, people always tell me, what was it like to see Ron score? And I said, well, I wasn't there. John McAdams, who was the, the backup guy I had at that point, called the game. And he's the guy that called Hexy's first goal. Hexy had a couple. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he's the guy that called the first one. But, uh, yeah, Ron could handle the puck really well. And um, he uh, uh, he's in the Flyers Hall of Fame, as you know. So uh, he, uh, uh, he had the ability – to shoot with, with a little bit of a curve in his stick as all the, most of the goalies have now. Yeah. Um, I know I have a Bernie stick home that's straight as an arrow, like Gordy Howe's stick, right? Wow. <laughs> but, wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, I have the Hexy stick too, and it's got a little bit of a curve in it. So well, all the guys have curves now. I got to tell you a, a funny uh, thing about that, Lou. Uh, I was watching the game on uh, Boston uh, television, and Fred Cusick was the Bruins television uh, play-by-play guy, of course. And, uh, Wonderful guy. Wonderful guy. Yeah. Great play-by-play guy. Yeah. And uh, right before Hextall scored the goal, Fred Cusick absolutely said, you know, one of these times he's going to score into this empty net. And son of a gun. <laughs> right. Son of a gun if Hextall doesn't shoot that puck into the net. So he made Fred uh, a profit that night. You know, I didn't I didn't know that before you told me just now and that uh <laughs> that's a great one for sure. Absolutely. Well, Lou, you called many, many games in the Philadelphia Spectrum uh, before you moved to the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, I'm wondering if you could just kind of give me your thoughts on how special that building was and how awesome it was to call games there. Well, uh, you know, the Spectrum uh, started out with uh, 14,000 seats in it. And um, we, the first year, I guess, uh, wound up with maybe 7,800 as an average, something of that nature. And even though we had, uh, we were first in our division, we had a, a record that was either even or one game below because of the way they had put the, put the uh, uh, divisions together. But um, there were several things that happened in that building, you know, like St. Louis Blues attacked our team <laughs> and beat up some guys, and the cops arrested the Blues. And, oh, wow. And, uh, their coach, and uh, that's something that I don't know if I covered in the book or not. But, uh, yeah, they um, the fans threw some threw a beer on Al Arbor. Okay, uh, yeah. When he was leaving the ice, and uh, their guys uh, went to Al's defense and climbed into the stands and uh, – you know, after that, it was all crazy. Uh, a busload of police that were on somewhere just in case, not for not for a hockey game, certainly, but for other things that happened, uh, showed up, and, and it was mayhem. And I can recall uh, them backing up 
uh, a paddy wagon back up the hallway and putting some people in it after the game and taking them to the uh, the local police station and they got bailed out of course uh, and it got sorted out but uh, it was a mess that was one of the things um, the building itself you know now uh, we're in the, the modern era of buildings where the pitch of the building is so different uh, you know like the old garden you know you, you never had to stand up yeah know? yeah it was just a pitch of the building now people stand up all the time because the head's in front of them at certain times mm-hmm. uh, and um, you know I remember the forum and and our building and uh, the garden uh, and now the new buildings we could take the old building and put it in there sideways wow you know? wow and yeah. uh, the spectrum would fit sideways in in the Wells Fargo Center right now but uh, it's so different it was so easy to get around <laughs> we knew all the ways to go and yep. we could go visit people at intermission and uh, now there's too much stuff to do uh, we don't get an awful lot of time, time off uh, to uh, to go visit people. They visit us now, so it's easier. <laughs> Interesting. You know, my uh, my friend and former colleague, uh, Tom Calhoun, the St. Louis Blues PA announcer, I've had him on sure. the podcast, so I'm, I'm going to have to talk to Tom about that as well and get his take uh, on that. And, uh, yeah, so that was uh, that was incredible. We also had Chuck Hayton on, uh, the Whalers' uh, former uh, play-by-play guy, and, and he had some wonderful memories of the Spectrum as well. So uh, you were certainly very lucky to – call some games there and of course i know you touched on this earlier lou but uh, kate smith was uh, was a big part of the flyers culture uh, she sang god bless america prior to uh, important flyer games and uh, philadelphia always seemed to rise to the occasion when she sang god bless america uh yes john it was uh, it was amazing and uh, some of them shouldn't have been <laughs> right. when we were good then you understand it but there were times that we won uh, initially, you know, Lou Scheinfeld, who was uh, Ed Snyder's right-hand man for the Flyers, uh, recognized that we would do the anthems, and not everybody would be respectful. People would leave their hats on. People would sit down. People would talk. So he said he's got to do something to shake it up. And um, he mentioned mentioned it, uh, I guess mentioned it to Ed Snyder, but uh, he followed through with it. And uh, I remember um, hearing that it was going to happen, and bingo. You know, please stand, you know, and join the singing of Kate Smith and seeing God Bless America. Yep. So everybody was, like, astounded. Uh, she wasn't there to sing at that point, but we played her music a lot. So we won that game, you know. Then we won the next one and the next one and the next one. Yeah. Maybe ones we should not have won. And suddenly it was like a cult thing to play Kate. Uh, especially, And then it got to be for important games. But she had, like, a, a fantastic record. Uh, yeah, you yeah. Know, when we played her. And, uh, you know, um, she came in person for the, uh, for the Stanley Cup. And uh, I remember uh, that uh, Boston, the guys from Boston, gave her flowers and all that to try, yeah. and, try and ruin uh, the, the mystique of the game and so forth. And, uh, um, and when she found was, out – That was amazing. Yeah, when she found out they were from the Bruins, she threw them in the trash, right? <laughs> yes, that's right. She was – she didn't really have a handle on who was giving her anything there. I think she was just basking in the sunlight that her career was reborn. <laughs> uh, great singer back in the days that I don't even know about. I was a gleam in my dad's eye. But, um, you know, she did so much for the country and so forth. And uh, um, she she really wasn't uh, um, respected in the last few years here in Philly. We had a statue. They, uh, um, 
they removed the statue because of something she sang about in 1935, I believe it right. was. Right. Yeah. You know, in these days of, uh, of things of that nature and the correctness, it just, it was terrible. And, yeah. um, you know, we don't even know where she is now. Yeah. Well, the one thing's for sure, Lou, she loved the Flyers, though. I mean, she, she, huh. she really did. She did. And, and I think she, she learned a little bit about hockey and followed it. And, and the Flyers were her boys. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, it was, uh, you know, she felt right, rightly so that she had a lot to do with us winning these games because the fans would go nuts. Absolutely. They would go crazy. And when she was here in person, she did two or three times. They uh, went absolutely bonkers. You know? Awesome. Awesome stuff. When the, when the carpet would come out and there would be a, a, an organ rolled out on the carpet, somebody knew. It said, it's Kate, it's Kate. You know, and next thing you know, I'd, I'd invite, invite her to, to come on out in person and she had just a great time. She yeah. had a great time. Wonderful and woman. Absolutely. And uh, if you go on YouTube, you can see Kate Smith actually singing God Bless America prior to that game against Boston in the Stanley Cup final. So that yep. kind that kind of gives you goosebumps, certainly. We're we're visiting with Lou Nolan. He is the longtime public address announcer of the Philadelphia Flyers. He's been with the Flyers since their inception, and also uh, he's been their PA announcer since 1972. The name of this podcast is Airing It Out Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. And, uh, Lou, I have to t- mention the uh, NCAA Frozen Four you did. Uh, you got to see a future flyer, uh, um, Shane Gostisbehere, who played for Union. Now, uh, I'm very familiar with Shane and Union. I, I do the uh, play-by-play for Merrimack College. I, I've been there for going yep. on 19 years now. So we played uh, Union quite a bit, and I remember seeing him play at Union. But uh, what a big thrill that must have been to be a part of that experience and seeing a future flyer. It, it truly was, John. Um, you know, um, I remember hearing that he was a pretty good player. And, yep. uh, you know, when we get to the final, uh, union, small union is in there, you know, and, and they're playing the big guys from the, uh, the big 10 and so forth. And uh, next thing you know, they win the game. I think they won the game seven to four. Yeah, correct. But I realized that I keep saying his name over and over and over again and not for penalties, mm-hmm. goals and assists. <laughs> right. He was plus seven and they scored seven goals. And I said to myself, we got this guy. Yeah. We got this guy. Now, yeah. He soured a little bit here in Philadelphia because of his, uh, you know, we're, we're basically a defensive team. But I got along well with the guy. He was a wonderful guy. And, and um, you know, he just uh, – the problem is, you know, it's like with, with Paul Coffey when he played with the Oilers. They were a, a juggernaut. Just let him be. Yeah. Let him be. Yeah. Let him do what he's going to do. And if it if it's different than what you want it to be, that that's fine. Make an adjustment. But uh, – uh, the ghost was uh, was a player and a half, and boy, I'll never forget it. It was uh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, plus seven, and they score seven goals. <laughs> wow, that's that's something. And I'm hoping that Merrimack will get to the uh, Frozen Four in Philadelphia. If if it comes back, I hope Merrimack gets there because I'd love to meet you in person. Uh, but uh, and I would love to get a chance to to spend some time saying hello to you. Uh, oh, it, it would be so much fun. Uh, I, I want to talk about uh, an exhibition game, Lou. That. Uh, sings in your memory. You wrote about it in the book. It was uh, after 9-11. The Flyers and New York Rangers were playing an exhibition game, and that one wound up being postponed uh, I, I wonder, after two periods. I wonder if you could uh, relate that story for us. Sure. Uh, well, we all know what happened in 9-11, and it was a, a terrible time for our country. When uh, we came back 
uh, and sports came back. I think the Yankees were the first team to, to have a game after. Right. Um, and, um, and we came, we came back in preseason playing Rangers. And, um, uh, I remember the president was scheduled to be on at nine o'clock that night to make an address to the nation. Mm-hmm. So we're playing our game. And I think we started at seven and at the end of, uh, a couple of periods or during the intermission between the second and third, um, they put the president up on the big board. Right. Uh, now, uh, as his speech went on and on and on and on, we're running out of time in the intermission. A decision's made to move it to the TVs on the concourse and invite the fans to go see it there. Mm-hmm. Well, the fans didn't want to see it there. They told us, they booed us and booed whoever made that decision. And when I told them that what to do, you know, I, I, I got this phone call and they said, we're, we're going to wait a couple minutes to see if, if he's, finished anyway players come out they do a little bit around around and then they go sit down on their benches on the boards uh and so forth and they're listening because we kept it up on the board right thinking it might be just a few minutes and it went on and on and on and when it finally finished up ron ryan who was the uh the flyer ceo at that point you know it was an exhibition game it didn't matter it didn't matter at all and um the last thing you want to do is to to have a player hurt and you're going to respect what was on the board. So we called the game after two and uh, I told the fans, you know, out of respect for everything uh, in our country, uh, we're going to, we're going to not continue this game. And the players lined up and shook hands. Wow. At center ice. Now, you know, that's a, that's reserved for special times. And I think what, what uh, the players felt was that this was a special time, and they, the captains uh, asked uh, asked their teammates to follow them, and, and did that. Um, but uh, yeah, that was that was uh, something. I I can recall getting a phone call from, I guess, Good Morning America to, to speak with them about that, and and I tell them what I told you now. It was just a, a terrible time for the country, and uh, the respect that the players showed and the team showed. Uh, was uh, monumental. And after the fact, Lou, the players ultimately said, hey, this is the right decision. You, you know, this they put everything in perspective and they, they agreed it was the right decision. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, um, and, and that's good for them. It's good for them, uh, you know, uh, to say that. And that was that was what was relayed uh, to Ryan, Ron, Ron Ryan, when the decision got made in, in conjunction with uh, the management from the Rangers that were on site. So um, all of that uh, just made a lot of sense. Made a lot of sense. Yeah. Lou, you were very fond of Ed Snyder, who uh, owned the Flyers uh, for many years. Of course, Ed sadly passed away. Uh, I know you have some, some thoughts and feelings about Ed, and uh, I wondered if you could just uh, give us a few of those thoughts and feelings about what Ed meant to you, the Flyers, and the city of Philadelphia. I'd be happy to, John. Uh, he, um, uh, Ed was the reason, number one reason, that uh, there is hockey now in the city of Philadelphia. And number one reason that the Flyers uh, became involved with the city and the NHL. He, uh, he was a wonderful guy, uh, taskmaster, of course. Mm-hmm. Anybody that is in that kind of a, a position was. a self-made man and, uh, you know, sold records. Uh, as an entrepreneur, you know, he recognized the chance that he could do this and he stacked uh, stack records and, and, and pharmacies and went back and filled them and filled them and eventually, you know, uh, hooked up with a couple of different people and some 
some projects and came here to Philadelphia and, um, you know, just uh, uh, got everything together to get the, uh, uh, the wire to, uh, to New York City to get the franchise. Uh, I think it was $2 million. Wow. Think, think of that, $2 million. And think of what the franchises are now. And uh, that tells me why the uh, draft is uh, a lot different. So your team, if you're going to be paying that much money, is competitive pretty much off the, off the right, right off the bat. But uh, Ed was, uh, was a good man. Uh, I can recall one story. He, uh, his legacy uh, is uh, to ask the hard questions, John. Right, right. Um, Lou, you, uh, you attended the Winter Classic here in Boston back in 2010. You talked about outdoor hockey in the book. Uh, obviously, the Flyers have been involved in a few of those outdoor games. And uh, how much fun was that for you to be a part of? <laughs> well, uh, the one in Boston uh, uh, was a lot of fun. I took my boys up, and we did a, a just a, just the three of us, and we had a little weekend going. It was lousy weather on the way up and uh, on the way back, but uh, we did have a blast. Uh, flyers didn't do well there, and um, such is life, but uh, the, the game was a ton of fun. The game here in Philadelphia against the Rangers uh, I remember uh, being involved very deeply in it. I wasn't involved in the game in Boston. I was a fan. Right, right. Boys. Uh, and um, when we were uh, here in Philadelphia, I did both games. Mm. The first game, I did it from between the benches uh, for PA and the big board uh, they had there. And I interviewed people on the benches because they're all the guys I know. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Both teams. So uh, we had a blast with that, uh, being down there uh, on at ice level. And Bernie made that big save, uh, you know, and um, uh, he was talking about, uh, you know, I'm so lucky he shot it right into my pads. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He made the one save and then left, but Bernie actually played. And um, then I did the game from upstairs, uh, the second game. And uh, the alumni game was by far the better game. Right. Just because of where I was. And all the memories, uh, but uh, the other game uh, was was pretty decent. Uh, I think the Rangers beat us. Uh, we haven't had good luck in those games, but uh, I look forward to uh, to doing a couple more uh, in my career. Absolutely. They are a lot of fun having the family there and and uh, parties and doing whatever you're going to do, you know. Uh, absolutely. And uh, one other point about Boston, uh, the Flyers rallied back from a 3 nothing deficit in the playoffs against Boston in 2010. And uh, I remember that. I was working in Kentucky uh, with a minor league baseball club and uh, following that uh, series between the Flyers and the Bruins. But what an accomplishment that is. That doesn't happen too often. Uh, no. <laughs> Maybe not at all. I don't know if there are <laughs> others that have ever done it. I mean, we were down 3 nothing in the game. That was the deciding game that would have made it a sweep. And we won that game. Uh, Simone Gagne scored the winner, I think. Yep. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, we, we win the series. So uh, um, it, it, was, uh, it was a monumental comeback. Uh, and all it goes to show you is that if you have the right coaches and the right players, the right attitude, uh, never give up. Never, ever, ever give up. Yeah, and, you know something. Something we do, and we see these kids playing now in the NHL. They are kids, you know. They are kids. Absolutely. And even the veterans are in their late thirties. But um, of course, you know it's uh, very, very rare that you see somebody uh, hit forty years of age in the NHL these days. 
Absolutely. Now, Lou, do you have? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, Now, now, Lou, do you have a consecutive game streak going? Uh, You haven't missed too many games, right? Uh, Do you have a consecutive game streak going that you're aware of? No, not that I'm aware of. Uh, I um, uh, I missed the baby ten down through the years, Uh, maybe. Uh, I don't keep track of that. I've done uh, you know, twenty five hundred, three thousand games altogether. Wow. Uh, So it's a lot of games, but I don't know about any consecutive. Uh, group of games. All um, right. In fact, no, I can tell you that I don't. You know why? Okay. Because I, <laughs> I got COVID and was put in the NHL COVID protocol. Oh wow. During the epidemic. Yeah, and uh, forced to stay away for two games. Oh okay. All right. <laughs> so, well, I'm sorry you had to go funny through how that. that slipped my mind. I'm trying to forget about that one. Oh, absolutely. Uh, just a couple of quick, a quick general questions, Lou, before I let you go here. Uh, I got to ask you, uh, where's the best place in Philadelphia to go for a cheesesteak? Well, uh, there there are two places that uh, are the ones that everybody goes to. That's uh, Pat's and Gino's. Right. Uh, I took a bunch of Russians there once, taught them how to che- how to say uh, one cheese with. It wasn't easy, but and um, then, uh, but I think Delisandros uh, and uh, in the city, and Jim's are two of the better places. Also, well, that's a, uh, that's they a, don't yeah, get quite as much, you know. Yeah, that's that's important. Yeah, our audience is going to know that because uh, Philadelphia is the best city in the world for cheesesteaks, and there's always been this debate going right about uh, where's the best place to go. So, oh yeah, yeah, uh, Alessandro's it's packed, packed, outstanding. Packed Cheesesteak is packed. Outstanding. And, uh, Lou, uh, also, uh, I-95 has been rebuilt down in Philadelphia. You know, they were talking about, man, it was going to take months for this to to uh, to happen. And I know that the sports complex down there uh, is all off of 95. So, boy, kudos to the governor of uh, Pennsylvania and, and all that made it happen to get 95 going again. You better believe it. Uh, the, the accident uh, that took the man's life, unfortunately, uh, and a fuel truck, um, gasoline truck, uh, maybe a little too fast. I don't know exactly what happened or a blowout, but it happened right under the, the I-95 overpass yeah. and weakened everything. And next thing you know, bingo, it's gone. Um, and um, Josh Shapiro, who's the governor here, uh, gets a lot of kudos for, uh, for rallying uh, the troops to get that done. Uh, construction workers work 24 hours a day seven days a week, first take down what was debris and the rest of the highway. And then they set up uh, six lanes in the center between both of the the other lanes that um, uh, cars are able to go over, and they did it in a week. I mean, amazing, <laughs> unbelievable. And it is a major artery. You know, if, I, if it's, people are going from Washington to Boston, that's where they're going to go. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, certainly if they're going to go from uh, north of that uh, incident, to the uh, Wells Fargo Center. That's where they're going to go. So it means a lot to us and our fans to uh, have that happen uh, from the standpoint of the repair that, uh, that the construction workers who deserve the, the biggest honor and uh, the engineers and everybody else. It's just incredible how they did it. Absolutely. And, uh, Lou, last thing I'll mention is uh, uh, you and Dave Zinkoff. I'm wondering if you had a special relationship because Dave was the 76er play-by-play announcer. And uh, being a Celtics fan as well, I used to watch those games down at the Spectrum. And he was <laughs> he was extremely entertaining. So I'm curious how, how you and him uh, got along in the uh, relationship between you two. 
Well, uh, I got along pretty well with Dave for the short time that we really were, were had a chance to, to be together. I remember him giving me a salami at a game, at a basketball <laughs> game that I went to. He used to give salamis out. Oh, wow. But the, the funniest story about the, the zinc, uh, uh, he was he and I were at a wedding, and we were seated at a table down uh, by the beach. And the band, he went up to the, talk to the band, and uh, it was in preseason. And the Sixers were 2-0 and in preseason, and I think we were maybe 3-0. Uh, and so the band goes, and Dave stands up and he says, ladies and gentlemen, we are seated here, Lou Nolan and I, the two undefeated announcers in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> Out of nowhere that came. The zinc, the zinc was special, John. The zinc was special. Yeah, I remember when, uh, when Julius Irving would uh, score, he'd be like, Irving. You know, he was, uh, he was yeah. special. He had a way. He had a way. And, uh, you know, uh, it's uh, the fans, uh, some of those teams were pretty bad. So uh, they came to see the zinc and not the teams. <laughs> and they enjoyed the zinc. But a well, uh, special guy, and uh, he'll always have a place in all the hearts of uh, any PA announcers. You and I both. Well, Lou, uh, I'll tell you, I've you know I've heard you uh, on on television many times as you're doing PA for the Flyers, and you know having you here and, and having the chance to to talk to you means a great deal to me, and I know that our audience is going to absolutely love it. There's been when I when I mentioned that I was going to have you on, there was quite a buzz by uh, people uh, up here, you know, that know me, that that know that uh, that knew you you were going to come on. I, I can't thank you enough, Lou, for coming on and uh, and. You know, it's uh, it's a real, real pleasure, and and uh, as I said earlier, I hope to meet you someday soon. And and thanks so much for being here. We loved it. Well, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, if you get to Philly, let me know and uh, come to a game. I certainly will. I I will reach Always out. Have a seat for you. Oh, uh, Lou, thanks so much. And and again, hopefully uh, it'll be Merrimack at the Frozen Four in Philadelphia. That would be the dream scenario. Wouldn't that be great? All right. So, uh, again, we thank our special guest, Lou Nolan. Be sure to be with us next week. Uh, we have a special guest as well, Anne Montgomery, who is an author, a football official, uh, and much more. She'll be joining us next week. So thank you for tuning in to Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's broadcast booth, and we will check in with you next week. Hi, this is John Leahy. Please check out my website at johnrleahy.com. You can explore the history of my time in sportscasting from my early days to the present. You can view my resume, listen and watch my audio and video demonstration reels, as well as learn about this podcast, my internet radio station, the Harbor Light Sessions Radio Network, watch my music demos, learn about my books, audiobook narration, and you can check out my event calendar. There's also an informational section with tips and tools in broadcasting, along with my personal influences and cool links. Check it out at johnrleahy.com.
marketplace in old Algiers. Send me photographs and souvenirs. Just remember where the dream appears. You belong to me. I'll be so Silver plane. See the jungle when it's wet.